following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. For the month of December leading up to Christmas, our theme is God gave. God loved. God gave. And uh, we are going to read a scripture from Isaiah chapter 9 about God giving. But just as we're finding that scripture, when I was a kid, I used to love watching cartoons. Anybody else love watching cartoons? How many of you still love watching cartoons? There you go. <laughs> it's one of the, actually, it's, it's one of the benefits of having kids is that you can sit with them and watch cartoons with them. But I'll never forget this cartoon where, where this, this, this uh, I think it was um, Donald Duck was was running away from someone with a piece of paper in his hand because he felt that the guy that had the piece of paper in his hand was giving him a summons to go to jail or to go to court. And so he's running all over the place, running away. And the guy with the piece of paper keeps chasing. And the whole, and the whole cartoon is about this guy trying to chase Donald to give him this piece of paper. And at the end, he finally corners him. And Donald, with fear and trepidation, gets the piece of paper only to find that it was a paper telling him about his inheritance. And he'd spent the whole cartoon running away from the guy that was going to make him incredibly rich. And you know what? I just thought about that. And I thought, that's exactly what a lot of people are like in this world. They're running away from a God who they think is wanting to take from them when in actual fact God is wanting to give to you and make you richer beyond description. See, I, I really believe that one of the big cons in life is that God wants to take away from you rather than God wants to give to you. Because when you read the Bible, what you discover in this book is the generosity of God. What you discover in this book is the grace of God. What you discover in this book is how much God wants to give to you. And yet, too many people have been brought up in religious systems, which is all about rules and regulations. You can't do this and you can't do that. And if you want to become a Christian, you can't do this and you can't do that. And it's like, I've got to do all these things before I can be pleasing to God rather than just come to God the way you are and let God give to you. And this scripture in Isaiah is prophesying what God wants to give us. It's prophesying. thousand years before the birth of Jesus, it prophesied what God wanted to do. Let's read it together. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, in the original Hebrew, there's no comma between wonderful and counselor. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this morning, I'm going to share with you just these four names of Jesus, four wonderful characteristics of Jesus as gifts that God wants to give you. The first one is wonderful counselor. 
That's the name of Jesus. He is the wonderful counselor. This word counselor literally means one who comes alongside to advise. Someone that helps to deliberate. Someone that comes alongside to guide and direct you. How many of you need help in life? Is, is, is there anyone that thinks that they can do it all by their lonesome? Is there anyone that honestly thinks that we don't need any advice? No, absolutely not every single one of us. But here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. How many of you have always received the best counsel from everybody? How many of you received some bum steers at time? Yeah, exactly. Point is this. That we look for advice, we look for counsel, but who do we get it from? And who is the one that's qualified to give us the right counsel? Do you know what I look for when I look for counsel? I look at the person's life and I look at has it worked for them? I, I wouldn't go get marriage counseling from someone who, whose marriage is a mess. I'd go to get marriage counseling from someone whose marriage is phenomenal. I wouldn't go get parenting counsel from someone whose kids are all rebellious. I'd be looking to get parental counseling from someone whose kids are, are doing amazing things and have gone through life with great principles in life. And so when you look at Jesus, what do you see? You see someone who's qualified to give us counsel. Why? Because his life is perfect. And he comes alongside saying, I'm the wonderful counselor. And yet too many people have made him the terrible counselor. They've used the wrong adjective for Jesus. They use the wrong adjective, the one who gives bad counsel. No, no, no. He doesn't give bad counsel. He gives wonderful counsel. He's the wonderful counselor. And all you've got to do is taste and see that it's good. I really believe the world has been served a con in saying the things that Jesus said are bad, when in actual fact the things that Jesus said are absolutely wonderful. And those that have applied the truth have found that their lives only benefit from it. In Jesus, you will find wisdom. In Jesus, you will find direction. In Jesus, you will find insight. In Jesus, you will find comfort. In Jesus, you'll find acceptance. In Jesus, you'll find that which is the hunger of your soul. He's the altogether lovely one. And I want to say to you that, that as soon as someone like me as a preacher begins to lift up the name of Jesus, something happens in the atmosphere atmosphere. Something happens in the atmosphere. Demons start to manifest and angels start to applaud. And I want to say to you that if you're feeling anxious on the inside, you need to rebuke what it is because angels are applauding the elevation of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're singing, come, let us adore him. Come, let us lift up his name because unto us this day in the city of David, a savior is born who is Christ the Lord and they're adoring in the heavens. Have you opened up your heart to him? Or is he a stranger to you? Because he wants to come in and give you great counsel and direct you through life, direct you through the storms of life, direct you through the challenges of life, 
direct you to a course that will only lead you to everlasting life. How wonderful is that? Can I give you the second name that Isaiah talks about? Calls him Mighty God. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. This word mighty God in the Hebrew is El Gibor, which means the all-powerful warrior, the champion, the mighty one. How awesome it is to go through life with the mighty one by your side. How many of you have ever been afraid? Is there anyone here who's ever been afraid? Give me... Absolutely, a lot of you have been afraid. A lot of you don't attempt things because of fear. Imagine what we would do if we had no fear. Imagine what we would attempt if we had no fear. I was, uh, there, was, there was a photograph um, in the newspaper this week of a guy who put a rope across two towers in Yosemite National Park in the States, 1,000 meters above the ground, put a rope. It was about that thick. And he walked across it. So he had, for three, three attempts, he had a safety hook. And then on the third attempt, third attempt, he walked across this, this rope, a thousand meters above the ground with no safety harness, no nothing. Now, how many of you know that it put fear into the heart of most people, if not all people? And, uh, and I'm not talking about attempting those sort of things because that really is not what I'm talking about. I'm, t- I'm talking about attempting great things in life, great accomplishments in life, great projects in life, great ventures in life. Attempting, if, imagine if you could overcome fear. And let me tell you the secret to overcoming fear is to see who's with you. Because when you know who is with you, you are able to overcome calm fear see i grew up as a little kid in in a migrant home and uh, he copped a lot of abuse growing up just you know the whole wild dago um racial prejudice and racial abuse was was prevalent in australia in the 60s when i was a little kid growing up and so and so i, I stayed away from big kids especially um racist kids i'd stay away from them mainly because i didn't want any trouble until the day came when my big cousins migrated from italy to australia and when my big cousins who were supposed to be in high school but they realized that i could speak two languages they sent them to primary school so they could be near their interpreter who could speak two languages i was surrounded by the biggest kids in the school and they were my friends. They were my cousins. And overnight, I felt fear lift off. Overnight, seriously, I felt fear lift off. Why? Because the mighty cousins were with me. The mighty cousins. And nobody could touch me because I was surrounded by the cousins. It was just a wonderful feeling. Now, I'm saying that to you to just give you an illustration of When you know who's around you, then fear will disappear. But what we've got to know is that the mighty one is around us. The mighty God is around us. The mighty God who promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He's the one around us. When we get the revelation of that, something will happen on the inside of us. Jesus came to us as mighty God. 
Can you contemplate that for a moment? That divinity took on humanity. And that to us is one of the, the, the doctrines of the church. The divinity of Jesus. That, that God became a man. And we sing about it in the Christmas carols. God became a man. Now, for some of us, that's pretty hard for us to fathom. But all that I know is this, is that he was able to feed 5,000 from five loaves and two fish, and yet he himself went through moments of hunger. He was able to turn water into wine, yet he himself was thirsty. He was able to walk on water, Yet he himself was asleep in the front of the ship. He was able to raise the dead, but he himself was crucified on a cross. And what we see there is the perfect mix between divinity and humanity. And God became man. And that's the story of Christmas, that God became man to dwell amongst us to pay the penalty for our sins. The only way that the penalty could be paid for our sins was for God to become man. And in his humanity, he paid the penalty for our sins. And that is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate sacrifice. But then as mighty God, he gives us victory. As mighty God, he gives us breakthrough. As mighty God, he makes us more than conquerors. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, that through him we are made more than conquerors. He repeats it in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. In him we have victory. He repeats it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that through him we have triumph. Come on, folks, understand this, that whatever you're facing today, mighty God's on your side. Mighty God is on your side. Mighty God is on your side. Oh, let me tell you, the nations might roar at you. The enemy might roar at you. But begin to call on El Gabor. Begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Begin to understand that mighty God has been given to you as a gift so that you can be more than a conqueror. So it's time to stop telling God how big your giant is. It's time to stop moaning to God about how severe your storm is and start turning around and facing your giant and begin to speak to your giant and tell him how big your God is. Begin to turn to your storm and tell your storm how mighty your God is. And if you're going to clap, make it a mighty clap because we claps are good enough. Glory to God. Then it goes on. It says, not only is he the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, but he's the everlasting father. Everlasting. No beginning, no end. Eternal. Without beginning, without end. Father. Everybody say father. There's nothing more beautiful than to have a loving father. There's nothing more wonderful than to have a father who's there. Not absent, but there. A father that's a provider. A father that's a protector. A father 
That's a lover. How wonderful is that? And you say, well, I thought Jesus was the son. But the son can also have the father's heart. And he's a, he's, he's a revelation in, in Isaiah about the father heart of Jesus. And Jesus had a father's heart. And how did we know this? Simply by just looking at how children were attracted to him. I love the story of the children just being attracted to Jesus like bees to honey. And they're just surrounding him and they're crawling up on his knee and they're embracing him. And I just love that. I love that about Jesus. I love, personally, I love children. I'm just, I'm a big dad at heart. I just love children. I love the fact that, that children run up to me on Sundays and give me hugs. I love that. I love the fact that, that, that I can hug them back with purity. And I can hug them back with this understanding that the whole thing is pure and wholesome and lovely. Do you know what? I've got children that won't leave church without getting a hug from Pastor John. Never forget when uh, we, we were pastoring in Campbelltown where there were a lot of absent fathers that I had this little two-year-old girl, two, three-year-old girl that she'd seek me out. I mean, she, she'd come in with a carer and I'm on the front row. She'd seek me out. She'd walk through the church just to be held and cuddled and hugged. And so it's like she'd get a drink And once she was satisfied, she'd pull away and she'd go back. To get that, there's something of love that can be given. And it's like giving someone a drink. And they feel satisfied and then then they move on. And, And I want to say to you that in Jesus, we can find that. And too many people go through life empty seeking to fill the emptiness of their soul with other things. And I feel so sad for, for young women that, 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 you know, go out on a Friday night, Saturday night, get drunk, find some, some guy that, that they think will satisfy the hunger of their heart, only to find it's a one-night stand. They wake up in the morning feeling used and abused and the guy's gone because he only wanted one thing and that was a bit of momentary satisfaction what is that what is that tell you what it is it's an empty vessel looking to be filled with the wrong things and jesus comes along as the everlasting father the one who was there at the beginning the one who's going to be there at the end no absenteeism in the middle. Always there. Just a prayer away, a call away, a cry away. Always there. I need you, Jesus. I'm there for you. I need you now. I'm there for you. I never left you. I might have been hidden from you, but I was always there. But Jesus, I walked away from you, but I didn't walk away from you. But Jesus, I, I, I did some bad things. I can help you recover from that. But Jesus, I've been wounded and I've been hurt. I can heal you and cleanse your wounds. Who does that? Who does that? 
but a father that will never leave you, nor abandon you, nor forsake you. That's who he is, the everlasting father, the everlasting father. Can I tell you right now that whatever you're facing is temporary. Whatever trial you're going through is temporary. You say, but John, it's, it's, it's lasted 10 years. It's lasted 15 years. It's lasted 20 years. Compared to eternity, it's temporary. See, there's, there's no storm that lasts forever. There's no challenge that lasts forever. It comes and it goes. But he's forever. And he's still standing there right now, standing there saying, my arms are wide open and I've never stopped loving you. Never stopped believing in you. Just waiting for you to come back to my loving arms. And I'm not going to push you away, but embrace you into the love of the everlasting Father. How awesome is that? Who does that? Who does that? Where do you get that sort of love? See, in the world, it's all conditional. If you love me, I'll think about loving you. But what about when you walk away? What about when you squander all the precious things that he's given you like the prodigal son did to the father? Was given so many precious things. Was given the inheritance. Was given everything that the father had worked. Give it to me. I I wish you were dead, literally, because I want what belongs to me when you die. Can you think of anything more painful and hurtful than saying to your father, give me the inheritance and I'll treat you like you're dead. Walk away, only to squander it. But then one day wake up and realize, what have I done? What have I done? I've walked away from the everlasting Father. I've walked away from from the fountain of provision, from the fountain of of, of supply. I've walked away from, from the one who loved me unconditionally, from the one who only ever wanted good for me, the one who only gave to me, the one who only embraced me. What have I done? And the prodigal came back. And let me tell you, God has done something deep within my heart towards the prodigals. And I pray for the prodigals regularly that they might get the revelation that Father still loves them. And you know the story. When he was a great distance, when he was far off, the Father saw him ran to him there wasn't this well when you repent when 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 you do penance when when you crawl on your hands and knees then 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 maybe i'll consider it no 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 saw him coming from a distance ran embraced him loved him can i just say to you that that is the heart of God. Don't be conned by, by anyone else that misinterprets God as this mean, angry, cruel, wrathful entity. Understand this, that when Jesus was describing that story in Luke 15, he was describing the heart of God, the heart of love, acceptance, the Father's heart that Jesus has, the everlasting Father available to you today and number four and i'm going to finish on this 
God gave us the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. He gave us the prince of peace. Everybody say prince of peace. If you were to ask most people in the world, what's their greatest wish for the world? What would the answer to that question be? World peace. You don't have to be a beauty contestant to figure that one out. Huh? World peace. That's what people want. That's the cry of people's hearts. But according to Gustav Valbert, who did this survey, over the last three and a half thousand years, the world has only ever experienced 227 years without wars. And over the last hundred years, we haven't experienced a day without wars. Why is that? Because you can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace is the only one that can bring peace. Dan, if you'll just come, I'm coming in for a landing. Romans 5 chapter 1 tells us we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't have peace with God without Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. Matter of fact, you can't have peace full stop without Jesus. And I really believe that, that throughout this world, we've got so many empty vessels trying to fill themselves with something. At this moment in Australia, there's this huge push by the police saying, what are we going to do with binge drinking? What, what is going on with our young people? They're just killing each other. They're killing themselves with binge drinking. And you know what I see? I see empty vessels trying to fill themselves up with something to try to satisfy the emptiness of their soul. They try to fill it with, with alcohol. They try to fill it through illicit sexual relationships, whether it be heterosexual sex or homosexual sex. It's illicit sexual relationships trying to satisfy the emptiness of their heart without realizing the only way that you can satisfy the longing deep within your heart is by having the Prince of Peace come in. The Prince of Peace. See, while we're in sin, the Bible says that we are at enmity with God. We are enemies of God. Why is that? Because sin is offensive to God. And sin is anything contrary to what this book tells us. And I don't want to make a big deal over one sin over another. Sin is sin. And it's rebellion against God. And it's, and it's us trying to find happiness without getting advice from God. Trying to find, because we're all in the pursuit of happiness. How many of you saw that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness? See, within every single soul is this pursuit of happiness. And we think that we know best. But can I tell you that God made us, He created us, and He knows best. He's the one who knows where true happiness can come from. Did you see anything more happy than Elizabeth this morning with a little daughter in her hands? Or Nick 
with his beautiful wife and his little daughter next to him. Do you see anything more happy, more beautiful and happy than that? That 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 to me is 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 what it's all about, folks. It's about doing it right. About doing it right. I, I tell you, just a month ago, I saw my son marry my beautiful daughter-in-law. Was there anything more happy than that? There's nothing more beautiful and happy. It was like a fairy tale story come to truth. But let me tell you, there was a lot of work that Anne and I and Jenny and Graham did for that to come to pass. But we pursued the principles of God, prayed with our kids, believed for our kids, did what was right to see the blessing of God, to see the blessing of God. Can I just say to you that that the Prince of Peace wants to come and give you peace and you cannot get peace while there's guilt and shame in your life. How can you get peace when deep down there's guilt and shame? And how can you break God's laws without feeling guilty? I would feel sorry for you if you didn't feel guilt when you're breaking God's laws or shame. But when you come to the Prince of Peace, He's the one that removes your guilt and your shame. He's the one that comes in and just doesn't, just doesn't sort of put concrete around it and suppress it, but actually removes it. He removes the guilt and the shame. And this is the beautiful thing, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. The Bible tells us it cleanses us. It washes us. It removes all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the junk, all of the stuff that just makes us less than human and less than divine comes in and washes us, cleanses us, and then the peace comes. Oh, the peace of knowing that you've been made right with God. And that's God's Christmas gift for the whole world. And what a privilege I feel to be able to articulate this message. I can never get tired of articulating it. I can never get tired. And if you're going to come back to this church in 20 years' time when I'm 72 and God give me grace to still be around, then you'll still hear me preaching this message. Because it's the greatest message that's ever been given. It's the message that every single Christmas time, they, they, they do cute little things about it, but somehow the whole message gets lost in cuteness. It gets lost in artificial lights. It gets lost in the tinsel. It gets lost in the pretty colored paper. It gets lost in it. Because the message is you can have peace with God through Jesus Christ who died upon the cross in your place so that your sins can be forgiven and you can live with God forever and ever. That is the Christmas story. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. 
Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 